Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 10. I'm here with my co-host per usual. Got Luke, Graham, and Richie, and a very, very, very special guest, Jeremy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good to see you today. Living the dream. (laughs) What's got going on? Oh, not too much. So if you want, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what got you into wheeling, what kind of a vehicle you have, and... uh, What's going on? Hold on, hold on, hold the fuck up. We gotta ask the question first. What are you drinking? <laughs> oh, all right. I am drinking a uh, Lagunitas IPA. Ooh, that is solid. Like a what? What else? Everybody got going on. I, me and Reggie got the usual, so we could just kind of cut our nope. Days. No, I changed uh. it up. I changed it up. Shut the front door. What? Come on now. Give it to us. Give it to us straight. What do you got? I'm doing shots of Jack Daniels single barrel. Ooh, there you go. Nice. I mean, it's still got the Jack Daniels logo, but <laughs> yeah, we'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> like you uh, say, like more expensive. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's more betterer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jeremy, feel free to uh, go on whenever, man. Um. So as far as getting into off roading, um, my father had a '49 Willys Jeep. It was a plow jeep that uh, I grew up with. We always had. I got into dirt bikes when I was probably 13, 14. Ooh, wait, and then what brand? What brand? Because this is important. I had 70s two-stroke Yamahas. Okay, there we go. I like that. If you so said Honda, I was going to kick you off right now. Oh, no, no, no. I again. probably had seven or eight <laughs> Yamahas, nothing else. Um, so, and then when I was 16... Um, I just, I wanted a Jeep. I wanted something I could go off-road with, something I, you know, at the time, I thought I really wanted to go in the mud. As I grew a little older, I found out that's not what I wanted to do. Um, But I bought a rusted-out 88 YJ, um, one town over, for, like, 1500 bucks. It was probably worth about 500 bucks. Um, It basically had a blown motor. It was completely rusted out, holes in the frame, holes in the body. Um, so my senior year of high school, I took that entire winter and we tore the body off, cut the frame all up, um, patched it all back together, rebuilt the engine for it, uh, welded the body, painted it, and I drove it to my high school graduation. Please tell me with all that work, you still have that YJ. I have seen it in person. I do have that YJ. I actually ordered pistons for it today. Because I have since blown the engine up again. Shocker. <laughs> so the uh, I think it's on its fourth engine since I've owned it. So oh, you, no Jesus, wonder you Jesus and Luke are Christ. friends. You guys yeah, are two little yeah, fucking peas in a pod. A great to four two, I'm guessing, right? Instead of the CJ bodies. Well, the that had a four two, and then it had another four two, and then it had a four row, and then it had a four six stroker. Okay. The four six stroker is what is currently burned up, sitting in my garage. Um, I apparently let it get a little too hot and the number three wrist pin froze up and basically demolished a piston inside the bore, leaving lots of aluminum all over the bore in my oh, freshly machined block. Oh, I know too much about that. So, so that is actually a common thing that happens with those strokers. I know that I believe it's either the heads or the intakes don't allow enough air and sometimes they actually lean out or no. Yeah. No, no, it definitely would get flooded. Okay, never mind. Fuck me. Don't listen to me. Go on. 
It's all good. They they definitely have issues. So hopefully the next time around I can avoid those. Nice. Um. Are you, so, are but you yeah, another stroker. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, I didn't let it get bad enough to completely ruin the block. So I will be able to reuse that block. Um, I ordered pistons for it. I need to order a cam. I'm going to port the head and uh, do some other work that it just, I didn't know enough. I mean, when I built that stroker motor, I was like, I don't know, probably freshman year in college. And it was already engine number three or four at that point. So uh, hopefully now, you know, a little more time and experience, I can do a little better. So, so yeah, second time, third time, however many times it takes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, Luke's on five times around. It seems. I yeah, but he didn't build those. Four. <laughs> it has not changed from four. Engine number five is sitting on a tire in the corner of the shop. I I, I keep losing track. Sorry. So it's six. Is what you something said. like that. Okay, ten. <laughs> All right, we'll just round it off with ten. Perfect. Good. So <laughs> I got another question for Jeremy. Sure. How did you end up here? Like, because me and you go back quite a ways, but would you uh, possibly tell your end of that story? Well, I think I came to know you through Jeep Forum, like, many years ago. Uh, good old Luke95 on there, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> it needs more low. To the, there yep. are probably five people that listen to that podcast or to our podcast that are going to understand this joke, but it needs all the low and it's going to scrape. <laughs> so I think uh, I got to know Luke on there after I bought a Cherokee in college after I blew the motor in the Jeep and uh, killed one of my Subarus. So I was driving a Cherokee for a while um, and I. I I drove that. I needed tires. The YJ had 31s on it, so I cut the fenders on the Cherokee to fit the 31s. And then the 31s were getting kind of bald, so I put a one and a half inch lift in the Cherokee and started running 33s. Um, and then I think that's how my Jeep was when I saw most of you guys at my bell. It was just one and a half inch lift. I don't even know if I had a rear locker then. Um, I don't. Was it with um, me and Richie or? Or sorry, I... not my bell. Um, up at um, topless. Yeah, uh, I at go topless. Mean. I don't think so. I think that was a different Jeep. That was uh, my red Cherokee. No, it was your uh, silver one. Unless I'm like getting confused, and you're talking about the go topless where I had the black '98, and I literally launched the spider gears through the diff cover. Oh, it might have been that one. Yeah, uh, I've never actually sense. met Jeremy in person. Neither have I. Yes, you oh. have. Have I? You're I don't know. Topless day, right? Well, that was that was 2016. Go topless, right? No, no, 2017. Uh, go topless, right? Yeah, that was the second one where we went to Harris. Uh, I think after. Yeah, so that yep. I I technically did meet you guys, but at that time I was. Oh, okay. Middle. This was like yeah, yeah. It was twenty two years ago or so. Then I met you guys. We went wheeling at Ma Bell afterwards, and I was just like, "Oh, three years ago, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, oh, yeah. I guess technically, wow, time flies." Oh yeah, <laughs> gotta love it. I don't know. I've been up there to top go topless quite a bit because I used to live in Springfield, so it wasn't too far. Gotcha. Wait, you lived in Springfield? 
I went to school in Springfield, so I lived there for four years. Where? Western New England. Well, I went to school at Wait, Western you went New England. To... Okay. Yeah. So just to clarify, I live <laughs> 16 acres. Just oh, to... no shit. Yeah. So that's I've there's probably a really good chance that we've met before somewhere. Probably. Because like... I was in that area for quite a while. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't meet you at one of the college parties that I went to. And... <laughs> Never mind. We won't get into those conversations. Probably <laughs> better we I, don't. I tried to fight some Asian kid who was talking shit and trying to be like big and bad in front of his girlfriend. And it, it didn't end up very well. Sounds about right. <laughs> that never goes well. Um, but I have to say, it was one of those funny things because it, I literally, and I remember you from the uh, Connecticut Jeepers um, section of the form or something like that. It was uh, one of those like little threads that just kind of like wound on and on and on like they used mm -hmm. to back in the day. Yeah. And. I forget what we were doing, but I ended up having to go up there and um, I think it was after we found out that we had a very close mutual friend on both of our side, um, but I had to buy a torque converter. I think it was a torque converter from you. And um, yeah, it might have been. I bought a Spartan, but we had been talking on Facebook for like quite a while before that. And you were one of the people that was talking me into building Barry at that point in time. Mm hmm. Huh. Yeah, I used to buy and part out and sell all sorts of cheap stuff back then. So my memory is a little fuzzy on who I sold what. Wait, so did you know any other X-ray guys in this area while you were in school? Uh, No. Okay, so I was say. definitely one of the odd guys out as far as like wanting to have a Cherokee. Uh, I knew a lot of guys with Wranglers and for quite a while I had Wranglers. I mean, my senior year in high school, I bought six of them. Um, I had four YJs and two CJs. Um, and uh, I think I'm down to just like two or three YJs at this point. Um obviously the the one that i built and then whatever i have left of carcasses at my parents house so i was um, so much more have... into that scene i got the cherokee as a daily driver i never figured i would want to wheel it or do anything with it i only bought it because it was you know 700 bucks and it got me back and forth to where i needed to go yeah and they're definitely good drivers especially if you're working on very similar jeeps to begin with, right? Right. Well, that was the thing. I was familiar with how they worked already, so. Yeah. So, would you be able to tell us about your current Jeep? Because compared to our normal, you know, conversation where we talk about one tons, we talk about 40s, I think you've taken a streetable, comfortable wheeler to basically the end limit uh, on the Cherokee platform. I mean... The only thing you could do at this point, in my mind, would be maybe tons in a cage, but keeping it still street friendly. Uh, it's yeah, an interesting so Jeep. my goals when I built the Silver Cherokee was I wanted something that I could drive to the trail reliably. I wanted something that I could take on the highway at 75 miles an hour um, and just that I could have a good time with. I wanted to keep it light. That was one of the big things was I was really trying to keep the weight down um, and I wanted to run 35s. So what ended, I started with a $175 silver Cherokee. Uh, it was two-wheel drive. It had no drivetrain whatsoever. 
Um, but it was a clean shell, no rust at currently, all. I think he's currently in the lead for the cheapest Cherokee in this that we've had on the podcast. That's pretty impressive. Possibly. Because I know that Luke was at what? You bought yours for 300, 400? Yeah, I hit in at 300. I was at 500. I know Graham's currently the highest. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we won't talk about that. Well, I definitely got a lot less with my purchase than, you know, most people when they buy a Jeep. So it was oh. literally just a shell, had a Dana oh. 35 in the back, and it had a tube, you know, uh, two-wheel drive front axle. No engine, no transmission, no transfer case, no drive Jeez. shafts, uh, half-script interior. Then. That doesn't count. So <laughs> I only bought it because it was clean. Fair. Um, my red Jeep at the time had about 370,000 miles on it. Still ran great, but was getting rusty. Um, mm -hmm. So what I did, I ended up building uh, High Pinion 30. It's got 456 gears, Detroit locker in the front, uh, WJ knuckles with the bigger brakes. I'm running DOM steering track bar. At this point, I have hydro assist on the front axle with a Dakota steering box capped. Um, 17-inch wheels off of JK, which I paid, I think, 125 bucks for all five. And then the rear axle is your run-of-the-mill eight-and-a-quarter with an Aussie locker that I got for free. Uh, disc brakes off of ZJ. Um, let's see. Suspension, I'm sitting at about four inches of lift. Um, long arms based on Clayton's setup in the front. The rear is leaf springs from Iron Rock Off-Road with uh, relocation brackets, running 14-inch travel shocks in the back with uh, shock towers coming up into the back of the Jeep. I think 12-inch travel shocks in the front, Bilsteins. So, and the interior is pretty well stripped. I have PRP seats, uh, no carpets, not really anything on the inside other than what you need to be able to make it drive. When I hit the scale with a full-size spare, and spare axle shafts and drive shafts and me in the jeep i think i'm at 4080 pounds wow that, so that, that's impressive it's not super light but it's a lot lighter than most of the guys i wheel with are over 4600 so so it definitely Jeremy, makes a difference do, do you have like uh frame stiffeners and sliders and shit or no so I have frame stiffeners. Well, the first thing I did to that Jeep was I stripped it down. Um, not that there was much on it anyway, but everything that was left, I cut off and I plated the frame from the front bumper all the way to the rear bumper. Okay. Nice. Oh. Uh, so choice. the Jeep was never wheeled before it had stiffeners. Lucky. That was the <laughs> so, smartest choice I ever made. That was literally why I bought that shell for 175 bucks was because it was a clean slate. I had been driving mine for a few years and I kind of knew what I wanted. And rather than piecemealing my way to the finish line, I built that Jeep from nothing to, um, I drove it to Vermont and I led three trail days. Um, and I did it in seven weeks. That's impressive. So pretty much you did exactly what every Cherokee owner wished they did. Yeah. Pretty much. Sorry pretty much. Beginning, did exactly what they wanted, made sure that it was what they needed to do with it to get it to where they wanted it. And then just bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, I pretty much it. was buying parts and stockpiling stuff for like eight months. And then I realized that the trip I wanted to go on was eight weeks away and I hadn't started yet. 
And so I ordered the last of the parts I needed and there we go. So the drivetrain came out of my old red Jeep with 370,000 on it. Uh, still running all those parts. Damn. Holy shit. Wait, so you did this all within seven weeks from a bare shell to your current, well, not obviously your current Jeep, but like not, not everything. I didn't have hydro assist then. Um, and I didn't have the PRP seats. Otherwise, yeah, full stiffeners, built wow. the front axle, geared uh, locker, built the rear axle, gears, locker. Um, yeah. Do, do you uh, have sliders? I do not have sliders. Okay. I those things. We don't need those. have what's left of my <laughs> rocker panels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but because there's no rust, they have held up kind of okay. That's good. So sliders are very much on my list. They just haven't gotten to them. Nice. Yeah, so, it's one of those things, like, once they start looking real nasty, then you're like, all right, it's time. Yeah, it's like, so, and I often wheel with the doors off, so I've learned to always carry, like, a good dead blow so that I can make sure I can get the doors back on after I go <laughs> wheeling, because you can't See, I, always do that. I use the backside of a hatchet. It seems to work quite well for me. Oh, that's good. Rail or the rocker, you just got to tap it down real hard. It just, you know, if it needs a little bit of more characteristics, <laughs> you just hit it with the front side of the axe, and it's perfect. Yeah, you're just massaging it back into shape. Perfect. <laughs> so I have personally driven this thing, and it was one of the best experiences I have had involving my XJ was I drove it all the way out to go and see Jeremy just for on the – I forget why we did it, but there was some reason we did it, and we just I just drove over there. Um, and for me, it's like a solid – 55 60 minute drive and rush hour traffic in a one ton Cherokee and it just did it but I hop in his Jeep and this thing goes down the road with two fingers just chilling on the steering wheel little bit of ram lag I felt like but I might just be used to my no setup. you're totally right because when you drove it I hadn't drilled out the orifice yet on the steering box so All it right, definitely so... had some lag in the steering yeah, and it shifted like a wet noodle. A sad, yeah. soggy, wet noodle. I thought but... it was also low on transmission fluid. <laughs> so, otherwise, it runs great. You talk about knowing each other for a while now. Why haven't you come wheeling with us? Do you not like us? No, I, and I have had us? intentions. I have had intentions to come wheeling with you guys. I was going to... Luke invited me to a run. I don't know. It must have just been a few weeks ago now. Uh, and then it snowed. And as soon as it snows, my Jeep gets parked. So mm, my no Jeep will not hit. Th That's literally why I bought it. And yep. it will not see the road again until March, April time frame, whenever, the, whenever the snow goes away and we get a couple good rains. So, so in other words, you're going, you're going to come to the season opener at my place. Then. I have sure. been bothering him every other week when my jeep is running and you can ask him it is consistent oh like, it is and, it and to be honest end. if i were to if if it wasn't all salty on the roads right now and i were to jump in the jeep and turn the key and like it's a hundred percent ready to wheel ready to go it's just i i won't take it out in the salt so why not get a trailer no. because i'm cheap fair that's fair. So I actually just was repairing the transmission lines in my truck, which blew, I think, in May. Um, and I let it sit this long because I didn't use the truck anyway. 
So uh, <laughs> I typically use a trailer or my neighbor has four trucks. Uh, he's will gladly let me borrow one at any time. I, I just don't, don't use it. And you know what? That is perfectly fair. Uh, not everyone is trying to hit a red obstacle or a black obstacle. Well, with this, some people are just you, no, you go good driving it so much. What was your choice for tires and why? So, tires um, were one of the last things I ordered those during the seven weeks I built the Jeep. Um, and I went cheap. I wish I didn't. They work well, they did not balance well. Um, mm. So, I went with tread rights. Oh. So, they're remolded tires. I think I paid 185 a piece with free shipping. So, I was into tires and 17 inch wheels for less than a thousand dollars for five of them for 35 nice. for 35s just to give you a little idea general grabbers are 186 dollars a tire and then 200 bucks amount in balance so just for next time <laughs> yeah our life and i can and luke were they three years ago uh they no, were literally they in testing uh, I think they ran the first Baja race three years ago, and they made a little appearance at KOH in a 37, uh, 13, 5, 17. Oh, God, I forget the car number. I'm sorry, I'm autistic and remember dumb shit like this. That's impressive. Yeah, so it's the the tires, they're all right. They work well off-road. They're literally the old uh, Goodyear. Um... Oh, God. Mm. Yeah, what's I know what you're talking about. The MTR OG pattern. MTR. They're yep. the OG MTR pattern. Huh. Um, they're noisy on the road, which yeah. is probably my least favorite thing about them. Because when I used to drive the thing up to Windsor, uh, if I drove it to work, it the thing hummed like crazy at 70 miles an hour. See, that's when you adjust the exhaust to kind of counterbalance the hum of the tires. So you get this nice like symphony of tire hum and exhaust drone, and it just it's perfect. I ran a or side pipe for about a year. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> true. True. That's usually how it goes. Turn the radio up. But does um, it have a radio? It does have a radio. I currently have one rear speaker. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. <laughs> so it's a it's a very typical Cherokee in that respect. Yep. yep. Yeah, I had that on my 95. It was only the, uh, oh, God, the sound bar on top. Mm-hmm. And, it was the worst thing in the world. You could barely hear it. And when you turned it loud enough, it got super just like staticky and tingy. Oh, it's horrendous. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, but peak um, Cherokee is when you are removing your radio to 3D print a switch panel and a fuel mount. So that way you can go to a fuel cell and just short out your uh, the uh, gauge wires. So it thinks it's got a full tank and just use the... Uh, gauge there with bluetooth speakers mounted to a switch okay that's why not just use your regular fuel gauge i'm confused um because there is a difference in the homage and i've read a couple of people that have said that they have had issues with the if they um change the resistance for some reason the gauge would even though it was the correct resistor, theoretically, the gauge would read all over the place, and then they would have issues with the cell, um, because it's not shaped like a Cherokee tank, it would give hmm. weird readings. 
So my theory was just go with a direct aftermarket that's the correct range and it'll be simple plus it's on my way towards what I want to do and replace the gauge cluster. All I right. still think a radio is more worth it. I'd rather run out of gas and still have good music. <laughs> well, that's what the Bluetooth speakers are for, my boy. Mm, well, I mean, what if you're on 95, you run out of gas, those little Mafire guys, they'll come by, they'll give you a gallon of gas, free. That's interesting, I didn't yep. know that. I did they not did know that. They did it for me before. They're <laughs> Ran out of gas. Aren't they? I think they're, like, spotlight their, uh, their, uh, I don't know how now. that works. I believe they're state-based. Like, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, huh, because I know that they used to be private, and they would do, like, AAA stuff, but I think they are now DOT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're always driving around on 90, 95. I don't know about 90. Oh, yeah, definitely hmm. on 90. Yeah. Definitely. They'll give you gas. That's kind of cool. Yeah, well. Probably um, cheaper for them to give you a gallon of gas than actually have a full crew respond yeah. and try and get you out of there. Basically. Yeah, true. Oh, one <laughs> other quick side note. I'm sorry to bring it back to the earlier conversation. Jeremy's Jeep weight is pretty impressive because mine currently is about, I'm going to guess, 5,200 with the links now. I was weighing in at like 50 or 5,000 or so with a half tank of gas and just me in it. Yeah. I mean, how much do Cherokees weigh stock? I believe it's 36.5. I think it's between 34 and 3,600. Probably 36 for four wheel drive. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that plus having extra shafts and, you know, all yeah. your gear. Drive shafts. 4,000 is not bad at all. Full that's... stiffeners. Yeah, exactly. I do know that the two doors are lighter. Mm-hmm. Makes well, I don't know what the weight of them doors. I feel like it'd be ten times heavier. Those things are stupid. <laughs> there's only two of them, and there's only one pillar. I know. I was just joking on oh. the fact that the two door doors are. Lighter. Yeah, I know how much high. of a pain it is to put my doors on with my four door. I mm. don't even want to think about trying to put doors back on a two door. Can we just talk about something though? I mean, when Jeep is sitting down talking about building this Cherokee, do you think they totally forgot that people are normal sized and have to get in that back door on a four door? There, it's <laughs> the back so doors stupid. are horrible. It's stupid. Like, I mean, it's genuinely the dumbest thing ever. Like, I mean, I swear to God, my girlfriend could barely fit in the back and she's tiny. Like, she's my like, dog doesn't even like the back door. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what, is, what were they doing? Well, clearly the two door was the you know the option they'd originally designed, and they're like shit. Well, it needs a four door. I don't know. Speaking That's of which came their, first. Their designs. Did anybody see the rendering for the uh, Vangler? <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> Honestly, it looks stupid, but I feel like that'd be the biggest flex rolling down the trail with like. <laughs> the Vangler, dude. I'm telling you, I feel like that'd be well, so sick. See, see, like I, I actually kind of dig the design the only thing i have an issue with is the front doors look like they're like two feet back from where you actually sit oh so it's almost like the old uh so it it kind of looks like you'd have to climb up to the front seat oh yeah so it's like a cab over almost yeah yeah well we'll worry the doors aren't as important what's important is you know you're right over the front axle that's perfect. Yeah, and we don't know where the motor goes. Visibility, but... I'm telling you, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> the motor yeah. goes between the driver and the passenger. As long as it's not There's electric, not that I'm much down. room. Where? Oh, room with it's what? Okay. 
Well, I mean, what? in a Wrangler, it's not that wide. I owned a 2011, and it was not a wide vehicle. So, I, I mean, it's got it might be a mid-engine, you know? We could be yeah, that's what I was, well, I was about to say. It's a van, so the chances are that it's just under the front and then has the hump in the center console is probably the most likely idea. Oh, so yeah, itty-bitty well, that, pedal that's space? That's what I was figuring. Yeah, itty-bitty yeah, pedal much. space. Yeah. You're sitting like you're in a, like a high chair at a bar. You're kind of just like... Hey guys, your, you know, your armrest, <laughs> your armrest is actually your fucking uh, motor manifold. Yeah. Oh, your manifold <laughs> keeps you warm. Yeah. You can put your coffee right yeah. in there. Hey, maybe you can open the hatch and cook your tacos while you're on the trail. Ooh, that, <laughs> <laughs> that okay? Actually, so was the one. Oh god, sorry. <laughs> side note to that: there have been a couple of mornings where I've had like cold coffee going to work. And with the hole in my floor, you just stick the coffee cup next to the link mount, and it sits up against the exhaust. Excellent warming spot. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Why would you have cold coffee in the morning? Uh, <laughs> fucking so generally when that happens, it's because I forgot to make another pot the night before, so I'm drinking oh, yesterday's coffee. Oh, so it's cold oh, yesterday's oh, coffee. Oh, oh, yeah. McDonald's. It's like $2. <laughs> Come on. Uh, well, oh. you see, this is on the way to Duncan. I need to have coffee in the morning. And oh, the no. Duncan that I like to go to is in uh, Thomaston. And yes, I know it's fucking horrible, but I throw it in the fridge. So Why not just make an iced coffee at that point? Um... Because it's I winter. Don't like yeah, ice coffee. We're, in New England. we're New Englanders. It doesn't yeah, exactly. matter. It's winter. Mm, I literally just drank true. an ice macchiato earlier. Like, <laughs> now. And then I cut <laughs> down trees out in the snow. Like, do, do they? <laughs> do they even sell ice coffee in the winter? Yeah. Oh, they definitely do. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Morgan There's gets ice coffee in the winter. I, exactly. I did not know yeah. that. Basic white bitches need their coffee, man. They need iced coffee. I didn't know. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never got the uh, the coffee addiction like everybody else has had, and I, I'm blessed to say that because, fuck that. Hey You're man, lucky. if you want some of the best possible welds, give me a fucking cigarette and a stupidly hot cup of coffee on a 90 degree summer day, and, and let her goodness. rip. Definitely some green goodness to spice it up. <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> only if you want the artistic fab. <laughs> Check out those welds on my front axle. I promise you, and I can name every single one. This was sober Luke. This was alternative Luke. Alternative Luke. <laughs> Fried Luke is this one. This one's sick. <laughs> oh god. All right, yeah. raining it back in, uh, Luke. I know we've got some user questions, and I think we'll start with um, the the four link talk. I know somebody was asking about four links, and I know you actually have some irrelevant news about your build that might help with that. Yeah, so I was talking to Mark about uh, he's having a little bit of track bar problems, but he was also selling an RTAC truss. And I'm like, dude, I wish I had seen you selling this thing like, you know, three weeks ago because it's a full width RTAC truss. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm planning on changing my design up. And I go, oh, what's going on? And he's like, well, what do you think about this four-link kit? I know that you were working on one yourself, this, that, the other thing. So we got into talking about some of the um, numbers involved with it and all of that because my issue with a lot of Cherokee four-link kits is they, um, they box in their performance to make it so that someone can weld it in with, you know, 
they've got a buddy that has a shop that, you know, wants to, and they want to do a four link and, you know, excuse me, it's got to be a weekend project or something along those lines. Um, so they're very, they're nicely packaged, if you will, but I don't like the geometry, um, because I feel like you could fine tune your anti-squat and roll center based off of the rig specifically with custom brackets far easier than some of the uh, loss of performance. For example, I sat down and talked out the numbers with a buddy of mine, and we got them where we wanted it, and it took me all of two hours, three hours, to make the brackets that I made, but my anti-squat came into 112 uh, at the center link hole, 100 and, or I'm sorry, 118 at the center link hole, 108 at the bottom, and like 128 at the top. So I was incredibly happy with that. The roll center was where I wanted it to be. Uh, it's kind of something that I have a hard time explaining, but basically your roll center determines um, the amount of rear steer. Uh, and the pinion change, my pinion's going to point to the transfer case as it droops. So it was one of those things that just, it was worth it to me. Yeah, did so did you end up going double triangulated or is it single triangulated? So it is technically double triangulated. Um, it's barely double triangulated. I separated the lower link mounts quite a bit to improve the stability off camber. I decided okay. that it was worth it for me to accept. Uh, I think my suspension has one degree of total suspension steering. Uh, through 14 inches of travel so to me okay. that was a so worthwhile knowledgeable. trade you know so what what's I mean the, what's the benefit of each uh the benefit of a single triangulated or a double triangulated is a single triangulated is stupidly easy to package you can get your uh 75 of the lower length uppers very quickly very easily you can have straight lowers um the downside to it is Basically, just your rear axle develops a, uh, like, rear steering, if you will, based off of the location in the travel. And I decided to go with the double triangulated because it greatly reduces that with uh, better road manners. Plus, I, with the way I built mine, I built it for stability. So my lower link mounts are kind of far out. Um... And the upper link mounts are extremely far out, like they sit less than a half inch away from the frame rail. Um, and I'm going to have to trim a little bit of the top of the frame rail itself and just like hammer it up a little bit to get them to fit. Mm -hmm. But the purpose of that is also it adds stability. Another tool. And how, oh, how high into the, sorry to cut you off, how high into the into the body did you end up going is are you cut through the floor or is it lower oh than the yeah floor? no it's it's going right through the floor um, okay so another thing with my setup is when i built it um due to the height of the upper link mounts being at 28 inches i tried to get my frame side mounts at 28 inches and that's a measurement off of the ground so my upper link is perfectly flat um i can actually make it so it's got a slight downward angle to it if i wanted to but uh a flat upper means that as you're trying to climb it's going to have an easier time you're not putting extra force into the body it's kind of like neutralizing 
So for the the average Jeep owner, uh, for a rear uh, setup, what would be the benefit of going four link or three link? Um, so the benefit of going to a four link double or double triangulated or a single triangulated setup is it removes the need for a track bar on the rear axle. Um, and it allows for very, very impressive suspension travel. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I've, I've seen some pretty, in, uh, impressive suspension travel out of a three link. So that's why I was generally curious on kind of, um, for the average person, like if they are looking for that route, would they rather like other than a track bar, which to me really doesn't seem that much of a difference. I feel like there's some like in a single triangulated four link, I guess the best way you, you could do um you could mount your suspension off of your lowers correct where i think with a three link setup that would cause complications and probably binding with your track bar right or would that not matter so the thing with a track bar is the track bar will affect the way the suspension travels um as far as the anti-squat and the performance when you go to get on the throttle when you get off of the throttle if you hit the brakes yada yada bunch of small stuff like that um and with the triangulated four link, you don't have to make the body side mounts for it, uh, for the track bar. I mean, you just have to make a set of upper and lower mounts, which to me is easier. Um, Do you feel the potential for uh, bad suspension, like geometry, would be greater on either like option? I mean, on either option, I feel like you could get bad geometry. If I'm being honest, the Clayton kit works really well. It's pretty awesome. Hmm. Um, you know, the Iron Man 4x4, I think it is, kit works awesome too. There's nothing that I could really say super bad about them, but I felt like it was easier for me to build it and fit it to my application to get the numbers I wanted to. That's fair. And how hard, and just out of curiosity, would it be to build a setup that you could buy that would be similar to something you got? Like, say, I mean, they do build kits for all sorts of stuff that, I mean, you're going to have to cut body out to install. I mean, that's usually with smaller stuff. I don't know if there's a lot of, and there maybe is. I haven't heard of them if they do make a kit, but, you know, like a three-link or a four-link rear where you actually have to cut out the floor and build a bracket fits in the right spot is that not a thing people do currently um i haven't really seen any kits that have been like that i mean every kit that i can think of or name has been mounted below the floor uh another issue for me was drive shaft clearance so i have two little wings that come off of my unibody with my suspension mounts and then i'm bending up a piece of dom to go over the top to uh form a bridge that is going to be tied into my roll cage so i do have to say this isn't exactly like something that you would it would not be yeah. hard to do on a everyday driving jeep but it's not something that you are going to see every day if that makes sense yeah it's a lot easier because you you have you know solid connection points right in the middle of the jeep that you can just tie things into right yeah I mean, for someone like Cody, he's got the Clayton three-link cross member. Um, Jeremy comes into this because he also has the Clayton three-link cross member, and he has the Clayton four-link, if I remember correctly. You're correct. Um, where that setup is going to work awesome. Not yes. installed, but yeah, I have oh, it. Okay. Um, okay. With a coil spring setup, or are you going to do uh, a different... Like no, so the back of my Jeep is actually 
already very well set up for coilovers. Um, I have towers, uh, completely boxed in towers built up into the back of the trunk area. Um, the sh- the top of the shock sits almost level with the top of the back seat, um, which well, is how okay. I'm running 14 inch shocks in the back of that Jeep. The only re- so I've had the four link set up for probably a year and a half sitting in my attic. The only reason I haven't installed it is because currently I'm getting a really good ride and 12 and a half inches of travel out of my leaf springs. That's my issue. I'm running Iron Rock off-road three and a half inch leafs with uh, HD off-road, no lift shackle relocation boxes. And I think like cheap rough country shackles. Wow. That's pretty impressive then. So the the only reason I haven't switched to the four link is really because I just haven't had a reason to. Uh, the setup works really well. The Jeep sits right where I want it to. It's pretty stable. I don't run any sway bars at all, um, but I run the Jeep at 70 miles an hour all the time. Uh, it takes on ramps well because it's sitting at four inches of lift. You know, it's it's not that tall. Mm-hmm. Um, oh so goodness. I just haven't had a reason to switch. I'm gonna yeah. keep, to the four link. I'm just gonna keep badgering you to hit up Chad Bartley and pick up a set of 14 inch or you know 16 inch Pro fenders and make it happen because you got the parts. But no, I can I, understand. I, I'm with them. If you're like, I'm in the same boat. If my it leaf ain't springs broke, don't fix it. My leaf springs ride great. I'd I'd love to move my axle back like an inch or two just so it fits mm-hmm. in my wheel well a little better. Because if yep. you look at it from the side. My wheel is a little forward just because of where okay. the leaf springs sit. And I do mm-hmm. plan on pulling it back. But, I mean, I, I get so much travel out of my leaf springs as it is, and they don't ride half bad. And I spent a good chunk of change on them because I blew up my crappy old ones and mm-hmm. needed something that was, that was going to last. And right. I just I can't justify spending all the time to build a four-link till those things are hosed. Yeah, that's definitely where I'm at. Currently, my leaf spring rear outflexes my coil spring front. So I I have more travel out of the Leafs in the rear of my Jeep than I have out of the coil set up in the front of my Jeep. Now, the biggest limit on the front of my Jeep is if I wanted more travel, I have to cut my shock mounts out on the body side and raise them up so I can run a longer shock. I can't fit a 14 or a 16-inch travel shock in the front of my Jeep. But because I built shock towers for the back of the Jeep, and the bottom of my shock actually sits on top of the leaf spring plate. Hmm. So, um, which was another thing because I eliminated the, I mean, those shock mounts get hung up on everything off-road, the stock ones. So I was able to cut them off. Um, But I can run 14-inch shocks in the rear, and I'm getting almost 13 inches of usable travel out of them. Wow. Nice. So... Uh, and you I do, can't fit a 14 inch in the front. Do you run a traction bar? Or, I, I do mean, not. Okay, yeah, your axle is light enough that you. The Jeep is light enough. It. The axle is light enough. I'm only running 35s. If I was running 40s, if the Jeep was heavier, it would definitely yeah. be a different story. My Leafs are also seven Leaf packs. Jesus. Wow. Jesus Christ. So, uh, how much are those there? How, how do they? I think they're that? like 350 bucks for a pair. Damn, that's not bad at all. I feel like I really got what I paid for with those. I know Kish had good luck with his Leafs. What are yours? I, I got the uh, the Zone 2.5-inch uh, springs. 
Yeah, aren't those made by uh, BDS? I think they are. Yeah, BDS owns Zone. I, I don't know. I just went to the Zone website. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's all I did. You got me thinking for my Leaf Spring setup because I definitely need to adjust my rear a bit to make it a little bit more. Just but my, my Leaf Springs also only ran me like, I think it was a buck 60 or buck 70. So like oh, half, for half of, yeah, for the pair. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. true. Yeah. That's so it's like half of what you have, Jared. Yeah, I um, know. So, sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, my wife has a Cherokee. Uh, that she daily drives. It's a. <laughs> she loves it. She will not give it up. Um, but it's a 2000 Jeep Cherokee. I think we paid 700 bucks for it with a blown motor. Oh no. Um, so I threw a motor in it, and she's been driving. She's been in a Cherokee for nine years now. She's daily driven wow. a Cherokee for nine years. But that not not the same Cherokee. Not the same Cherokee. No, they keep rusting out, which is why mine doesn't see the salt. I feel like I feel like you guys are doing something wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, I mean, granted, my last Jeep had a hole in the floor, but I really haven't had that much of a problem with rusty Jeeps. Oh no! You expose any raw metal and you kiss that spot goodbye. Yep. Um, Maybe I'm just too picky. I feel like no, I, just got lucky I with feel the you. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> my Jeep been... doesn't see salt. Y'all are pussy. Yes, it does. That's just because it hasn't fucking ran during the winter. You, you can just you can just repair the floors every year. I'm sorry, then, my feelings are hurt. Just keep throwing down more stop signs. That's basically where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I was getting at is her Jeep has a three and a half inch um, Rubicon Express lift, and it rides like a freaking stiff board. I hate it. I that. don't like. I put Bilstein's in it, and it made it a little better. You know, for shocks. Um, but man, those rear leafs. Does she have shackle suck. relocation? No. Yeah, I would suggest a... that because one thing I found to be a problem that I give IRO credit for and Clayton credit for is they uh the lift leafs are the same length as the factory. They're not longer to accommodate the uh extra from the bend in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my Clayton's are were significantly more expensive than the Iros, and now I'm kind of kicking myself. But I mean, they fit well. It's definitely a thing where you know that 45 degree angle in the shackle, like that's that no makes joke. a big difference. Yeah, yeah, mine's but, like 90 degrees, so I could definitely <laughs> test to just shitty rear suspension. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm just tainted to where I just don't care. I kind of just run it, mm -hmm. but. I, I do think it's time to kind of assess the situation and fix it, get it to a better, healthier spot. Mm -hmm. My reason for pushing you towards a four link when we were talking off the podcast was that it's you're already going to be stretching the rear. And if you're going to be, you know, chopping it up, I don't see the point in trying to keep leaf spring mounts around. Oh, for me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we're going four link. I thought you were talking to Jeremy there for a second. I, oh, no, cut, sorry. You say you. cut shit up. No, he's like, gonna... definitely not Jeremy. <laughs> 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 so, oh, well, yeah, but we, the four link is definitely going to be the, the answer. I mean, the three link would not work well because then we'd be doing a track bar, doing all the work for that, centering all the bullshit, and then cutting it up would then we'd be losing all of that. Going with the four link, we would cut it after the mounts and we'd be fucking golden. So, Four link is definitely the answer. It's just a matter of if I want to go with coilovers or air shocks or um, 
the not IROs. ORIs. ORIs. Oh, dude, I, fuck, I swear to God, I'm listexing. I swear. I so, numbers and letters mixed up. I'm curious not to like branch off again here, but how many people do you guys know that are actually running ORIs on the street? Because I only know one, one and he one. has had them rebuilt and he has tuned them and to no end. And he is still is not happy with them compared to his other off-roader on uh, coilovers. So the one kid that I know, um, oh fuck, I forget his name. He has a he's a red Jake and maroon JK. I know that Luke knows of him. Uh, it was built by, shit, I'm totally blanking right now. Regardless, I kind of asked him that question because he had drove it from Connecticut all the way up to Mabel the one time that I went wheeling with him, and he said it's really not that bad. He said it <laughs> it leans. Um, I believe it's when he turns left and is on throttle because then the motor pushes the body in that direction and causes like inertia to push that way that he gets a pretty substantial lean. But other than that, I guess it's reliable enough, I think. Mm-hmm. And Hackbar had mentioned with his that I don't think he drives it on the road anymore, but he said like on long trails um, that, or when he goes up to the sand dunes that they fade out. But other than that, I mean, I really haven't heard anything. Like, I mean, he carries the uh, the nitrogen or whatever you fill him with on him when he wheels because they they do weird shit and he has to adjust them. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't for a daily. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I if think Hackbar said it was whenever he trailered somewhere, he had to like recharge them. Oh, that's right, because he some he pulls he pulls the body or the. I think he does. No, that doesn't make sense. I, I, I think it's just a, a body bouncing going down. The yeah, oh, yeah, trailering is pretty hard on shocks. Mm. Yeah, that was one thing I was nervous about when I used my grandfather's enclosed trailer for uh, Badlands. I ended up strapping down the body too because I'm like, I swear, if this thing sways as I'm going down the road and just fucking <laughs> dents the hell out of the side of this thing, I'm like, dead. I was like, absolutely not. Put a strap around like the front and the rear, strapped it all down tight. But I could definitely see that being a problem if I ran air shocks. I mean, except for people who use suck downs pretty often on those, they clearly have to withstand uh, the force of pressure down constantly. But I feel like that might be a problem over a long time. Like you're putting a lot of pressure on seals that hold, like they have to continuously move. And if you have that much pressure, it might cause a problem compared to like yeah. coilovers or Chad. Yeah, but like there's no need for a coilover. In all honesty, on a vehicle like that, they're like. There really isn't. But so are you saying that Luke is just wasting his money? No, I just I just mean in the sense of like you have like there's use like there's usable space there. Like if you if your suspension allows for that much articulation, there's coils that are now when they compress all the way, that's probably what I mean. It has to be at least almost ten inches of unusable space. Where like an air shock, if it has a reservoir, what will... Cody? Stop. Okay, so Pump the brake. <laughs> you gotta stop. Right. No, no, how? no, no. How? Just stop. How? Okay. okay so how I wrong, this guys? is limited by the travel of the piston in the shock. You will not compress a coil over to the point where you will have coils stacking on top of each other unless you have your spring rates so far off that they should never see the vehicle. So With regardless, an it's still unusable space. What do you no, mean by unusable? I've, I've seen an, I've seen an air shock. I've seen an IRO completely suck the piston inside of the body. With yeah, a coilover. and I've you can do that, that with a coilover. So, you, have, so you, you are now mounting something taller. Okay, but no, okay, you, so if, no, okay, no, so, no. You do not understand what you are talking about here. You are literally limited by the piston travel. 
If you okay. have 14 inches of piston, you're not going to fully compress the coil spring. And a lot of people that run coilovers will have it set in a manner where you're going to try and hit the bottom rate before you bottom out the shock. So like okay. when I set my dual rates, I'm setting them to try and make it so that that lower uh, 225 spring rate is going to stop me before I completely and utterly bottom out the shock when I'm trying to get on it. You... I mean, okay, regardless, I still really haven't heard an amazing argument comparing the two unless you're going fast or rock crawling. Like, I mean, I really... they're Unless I mean, you're I... going fast, rock crawling, daily driving. Correct. Um, Correct. All of the above. Well, I guess consistency would could be a good argument there with an air shock or an I or ORI your consistency compared to a coilover which is can continuously do the same thing over and over why? and over and over again why what do you mean we just talked about how he has to constantly uh oh. air up or like, I was gonna say to like in the are, are you no, saying, saying the that the coilover is consistency correct yes the coilover oh, okay. has more consistency okay. compared to an air shock or a uh or an ORI because also, that, that was kind of all mumbled together so it was a little confusing for a moment yeah, yeah and like i'm not my statement on what i was talking about because clearly i'm fucking inadequate and now i'm just trying to argue something where i have not had a good there has not been a good enough argument said to me on the difference other than race car or um rock crawling that's all all right so i will give you a quick super simple rundown if you are going to drive it on the street i would recommend a coilover over an air shock because an air shock has a bad habit of heating up and fading out and ori is less likely to do that but everyone i know that has oris has to work on them constantly yeah but i'm saying regardless of that we've already come to the conclusion that once my jeep goes four link because i already plan on dove nosing it i already plan on chopping it in half so i the like the conclusion is like it's not going on the road anymore like it's well really not, if it's not going on the road Hampshire license plate or uh, i think it's utah that you could fucking drive your mother's fridge down the road if it's got a title <laughs> like, i mean it's not going down the road so that's that's what i'm saying the argument of a coilover or air shock or ori they're again it's people are like oh it's just personal preference personal preference personal preference yep like i mean or consistency if you're looking consistency. for consistency as we've sort yeah. of deduced you like, want a coilover with Ducky's air shocks, it had a problem where at the end of the day, it would just be faded out. If you can deal with that, air shocks are absolutely a great solution on a lightweight rock crawler. If it's going to be a rock crawler and you're okay with throwing in like an ATV suck down winch or something along those lines. Yeah, okay. That's a fair enough conversation. All I know is I swear to God, if I go to Utah and I don't see a fuck ton of fridges on the road i'm gonna be upset well, don't go on vacation then <laughs> All right. so i got a question for you you know jeremy what is your okay. preferred type of locker because i know you do a lot of gear installs similar to graham and you both have a similar choice with the detroit just on opposite ends of the jeep and i'm interested to hear why so currently, um, I guess just to give a little background uh, on what I'm running at the moment, um, in the rear of the Jeep, I have an Aussie lunchbox locker. Um, I have that locker because I got it for free. Uh, I bought a two-door five-speed for 1000 bucks, and it had a brand-new four-and-a-half-inch Rough Country lift in the trunk ready to install. So I basically bought a lift kit and got a two-door five-speed you know, for free, and it had a locker in it. So I pulled it before I sold the Jeep. In the front of my Jeep, 
I run a full case Detroit. I run that locker also because I got it for free. However, I like that locker a hell of a lot more than the Aussie. Um, when it comes to choosing a locker, I would run some sort of automatic locker in the rear of a Jeep any day of the week. Um, I've really enjoyed the predictability of having the automatic locker and the simplicity um, as far as having the lunchbox versus having a Detroit. I would definitely rather have the Detroit in the rear. Um, the lunchbox is kind of annoying pops and, you know, makes noises all the time. So that's um, something that I was going to kind of question you on there is like, you said it's predictable. I'm trying to understand how that makes sense for, and as you said, an auto locker, wouldn't a, like a air locker or an ox locker be just as predictable for a normal application, not for somebody who is a, it a should be just driver. as predictable. It has the potential to be less reliable. So I have noticed like in the snow, I've noticed that my rear locker does sometimes unlock or lock depending on throttle position or braking or anything like that, which yes, an auto locker is supposed to do that. But mm -hmm. personally for me, I feel like for a normal driver, like with Richie, so Richie's a confident driver. He has a welded rear differential. Like he understands that his Jeep is going to like do certain things. I feel like that would be the most predictable or consistent. But to a normal driver, wouldn't you feel that a selectable would be like better predictable? So until you're until you're that guy on the trail, you have to tell your locker's not on. Your locker's not on. Your locker's <laughs> not on. I think it depends on how it's you want to use your Jeep. Um, my I don't know. I changed the way I drove when I put a locker in the back of my Jeep. Not everybody wants to do that. Um, I, since putting the rear locker in my Jeep, because I put a rear locker in before I got a, before I put a front locker in. Um, and when I was in the snow, I literally never used four wheel drive. Um, I don't need it. I mean, unless I'm trying to go have fun in a parking lot or something like, or trying to actually wheel. Um, but when I'm going around a corner, if I want the rear to lock, I use a lot more throttle. If I don't want the rear to lock, I consciously use a lot less throttle. So you have to adjust the way you drive uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to front lockers, if I was driving something that I actually like drove on the road all the time, if I drove it in the winter, I would want a selectable unless... Uh, well, okay. Anything I drove in the snow, I would want a selectable locker in the front, personally. Um, I don't drive my vehicle in the snow, so I am perfectly okay with a, the Detroit in the front end. Um, it, when it comes to something you drive uh, only in the summertime, only on the trail, um, you know, definitely either a spool. If So if you had something where you could unlock the hubs like a Dana 60 with lockable hubs. I would tell people to weld it, run a spool, run basically whatever the hell you want, run whatever's cheap. If you don't want that front axle locked, unlock a hub. Um, yeah. You know, you, you basically have a selectable locker in your locking hubs. Um, not, not actually, but you, you get what I'm talking about. Yeah, we, we got you. Yeah. Was this a new product? Electronic hubs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
God, no, please don't give the people at Ford any ideas because they already did vacuum actuated. Oh, yeah, that's true. The vacuum. vacuum Yeah, they have vacuum hubs. I got to work on a set of those next week. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, (laughs) Sway bars. I mean, uh, you can only imagine that they could do the hubs. Yeah. You know what's getting deleted from my truck next week? Vacuum hubs. Um, yeah, fair, fair. So I've got to work I, on somebody's dump truck, and they really like their hubs. They work all the time, and they want the front end rebuilt, and they want to keep those working the way they do. Huh. I I do have to say, I don't know if I agree with agree with you on the Detroit versus lunchbox, and I know it sounds dumb, mm-hmm. but uh, my Detroit that I have in the rear of my Jeep, it, it still pops and bangs. It still does normal auto locker stuff. If yep. I'm I mean, if anything, it happens less often, but when it does bang, it's fucking loud. Like, it will Mm -hmm. go off. And the other thing that I dislike about it is, especially with the the, the front being welded, is, as we've sort of talked about, is in the snow. The thing's basically undrivable uh, to a certain extent because of, maybe it's my tires too. In in like a little bit of snow, it sucks. The thing's unusable. You can't lock the hubs because it's welded front, so mm-hmm. it just doesn't drive well. And yeah, it's just push right? drive. Yep. Just lock one hub. We just went over the screen. <laughs> we literally just went over this. Lock <laughs> one hub. So wouldn't turning in that direction cause a problem though? Because you need that tire to slow down, and if it's not slowing down compared to the outer tire, then you're just driving. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. only yeah. turn left. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just lock your hub <laughs> so, before each turn. Yeah. Right. So, That'll work. No That's tires. where those electronic locking hubs come in. I know, and I know. So, this is we got one it, we got a product that I would like to bring up. I love my welded in the snow. Like I have driven this Jeep in the snow before it had the one tons, back when it had the rear axle that was under Kish's Jeep, and it was just predictable. If you got on it, you knew both tires were gonna spin at the same speed, and if it looked shitty out, you had to plan for it. But now we just this... go into it. Would We've had this conversation that? before. Yeah, but would you recommend that for a everyday like no to somebody who's not a no. confident driver? No. So, I, unless I, you want to so sound like you're running over like if, ten dogs every turn. <laughs> my my boss literally asked me one time. Was like, it, why does it sound like you're hitting a dog when you turn? <laughs> and I had to explain to him that it was a welded diff. <laughs> oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a time and a place, and there's also like the same for the uh, selectables. I mean, if you have somebody that is, you know, in a place in their life where they can spend the money and they want driving characteristics that are totally what they would expect of a normal car on the street and then also have the off-road performance, I mean, that's where that selectable comes in. Um, that's why most new Wranglers come with them because they can sell it to a soccer mom that drives the thing all the time every day and has no idea that the hubs lock, you know, but then when you need them, they're there. So I have to ask someone that drives welded every day, Kish, how is it? Uh, I love, I love my rear. Kish's Um, standard. How do your tires like it? Probably not that much. My, my rear tires (laughs) are not a fan. (laughs) <laughs> but i like I'm, I'm just starting to get to the point where it's like i might pick up two general grabbers to replace my fronts and then throw the fronts onto the rear just yeah. that way i have a little bit more tread in the rear uh, but that's also four. 
your fronts yeah, aren't grab... that much better. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the, dude, the... I'm telling oh, no, you, oh, no, Tire no, no, Warehouse, I'm... you go there, you get a, you get the uh, credit card, you save 200 bucks up, and then it's interest-free for six months. Anybody can do $100 a month, so just re- do it. Re- regardless, regardless of how I do it. <laughs> The fronts do have a considerable more amount of tread than the rear does. Or just buy mine so I can get MTRs. <laughs> You're gonna buy, but it's. <laughs> hey, can you die quieter over there? We're doing a fucking podcast. I... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, you I, caught I me mid fucking rip there. But you're gonna buy another set of fucking thirty fives? What are you, goddamn retarded? Did your mama get dropped? That's drop why I you? said two. No, he's talking to me. He's Not talking you. to me. I'm he's busting his balls. You got a ways to go. <laughs> I'm only anyway. on my third set of 35, 36s, okay? Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> so what I was trying to say is like, Mon- what's today? Tuesday. So yesterday, when I went to uh, go get my COVID testing, we had a little bit of snow. I think it was like an inch and a half or some shit going down my driveway in two wheel drive. I ended up skidding right the fuck off my driveway into a bush just because with, <laughs> with, with the lunchbox front, it just it didn't want to steer, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's as soon as I put it into four-wheel drive when there's snow on the road, it's like I'm on fucking rails. Hmm. Yeah, so I can like agree. It's, it's really good driving in the snow on the road with the welded rear and the lunchbox front, it's shit in two-wheel drive, but that's also when you just have to be confident in how to maneuver your vehicle yeah. on the road. Yeah. I will say the lunchbox front in the snow is not nearly as bad as people think it is, but obviously it's, you know, there's it's unpredictability not. involved yeah, but with it, it's, slick. It, a lot of it also comes from, like, I feel all of us here are pretty competent drivers. And we would be expecting. It's like, all right, yeah. I have a lunchbox slash welded front. It's going to be shit in two wheel drive. So it definitely I, comes down to adjusting the way you drive. Yep. Yeah. So I have two people that are both looking for kind of a daily driver, but a mostly a winter driver. Uh, my buddy Buckley and my girlfriend both have. Well, Caitlin's looking into getting a car. And having the Jeep as her snow vehicle and wheeler. And then my buddy Buckley has his Cherokee for a snow driver. And he was kind of talking to me about um, getting his to a little bit like better point. He bought his at like a really nice stage to where all the important bits are done. So he's able to kind of just dabble in what he wants to. And so if I were to suggest to him a selectable locker, I mean, what would you guys even really suggest? An air locker, electric? Do we go with the ox? Like, I mean... Um... I know I think uh, ox. I would say ox, honestly. Like I know a lot of people that have run ox products and been happy with them. Um I know of more people that have had ARBs with air leaks and it has been a serious thorn in the side of people on the trail multiple times. But for somebody who enjoys their interior, now I'm having him add two levers. Oh, yeah, it, I oh mean, no! I seen... Oh God, no! You... Oh, well, I, oh, I mean, that's personally, the end I have not. World. Okay, but again, we are Cherokee pieces. Okay, drivers, <laughs> well, you know? like we don't care about interiors. This, this, the... I mean, Buckley enjoys the interior of his Jeep. I've never seen what the actual levers look like. I've never seen what the actual um, application of. They're with small. an ox. You can pick. 
you can do an electric locker. Yeah, you ox. can do different options with the ox. I know in my Jeep oh. club, ox is definitely a big favorite. Hmm. So um, the electric yeah. or the cable? You can do cable, uh, you can do air, you can do electric. You got all the options. So on, I don't on, know on anybody locker? running the air, but uh, a lot I of people run like either cable air. or electric. I will say this. I don't like their air because it's literally an industrial bimba cylinder mounted on your axle. Oh, Jesus. So it works. It's just not pretty, and it's not one of those things that I like. It, it just, to me, it looks like it belongs in a machine shop, not on an axle. So and if Luke is saying it's not pretty, that is saying something. <laughs> True. But for Graham, you had problems with your electric locker. Do you think? It well, that thing was a piece of crap. That's why. Okay. Also, <laughs> we won't go into it, but you know, the guy who installed the gears in that axle uh, absolutely fucked me. So <laughs> the fact that metal was just flowing through the magnets that make that electric locker work didn't do it any favors either. But don't the um, electric lockers, when you're in reverse, don't they disconnect? Maybe. I don't know. I didn't use uh, it long that enough. That was a thing with the old Eaton lockers, if I remember correctly, where when you would go to reverse, it would take like three quarters of a rotation to re-engage, and then it would engage again. Oh, okay, so it's not the end of the world. I thought it completely disengaged due to like no, how it's not actual... that bad. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool though. I will say on the note of Ox though, I am looking at their super joint competitors. They're pretty damn reasonable for a super U joint. So they are pretty sexy too. Those things are fucking thick with two Qs. I mean, they really are. <laughs> we should throw think... a set in Grammar Kish's 50 and see which goes first, the stub or the inner. Oh, <laughs> no, I need I mean, it because I wanted to. It'll be wanna, the stub. We need content for a potential YouTube, and I need to see my gears go through the axle, okay? Although, yeah. Hey, no, plus, those plus gears aren't allowed to get exploded. On the trail instead of a stub or but an spe inner. Speaking of gears, I mean, you're so good at them. Don't you have all the tricks and tips that you can do them again? Me? Yeah, like what? What? What are the quickest, like you know, little doodads that you have to make it happen? What do you mean quickest? Doing gears okay, is so a quick job. Okay, so I'm getting stuff like your setup, <laughs> uh, your setup bearings, all that stuff. Like why? Like what got you to that point that you have them, and how quickly can you do them? I mean, this is all uh, a conversation for Jerry. It's all trial and error. I mean, I, I've set up. I use my Jeep as a test bed, right? If my gears blow up, I did a shitty job. It's happened. Uh. <laughs> But I know I did a shitty job on that. I rushed that. <laughs> the the forty four gears, those things ride nice. You're riding on them now. Do you have any complaints? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I just I just hate that fucking rear locker. Again, we're kind of sliding back into the locker conversation, but I fucking Twelved hate it. it. It's it's loud. You can't. I have to get spider gears, and fuck you. I ain't paying money to get spider gears. I ain't going backwards. Like, fuck that. Just weld up uh, the just, locker. You really? You don't like the yeah. Spartan? So how the fuck am I gonna get the? Oh, I guess you're right. That's I honestly liked right. that thing. I never had an issue with it. I think you're just picky. I think I don't know. Like it's just, dude. When I'm driving around Springfield, you got these homies in their hoopties. Like, <laughs> well, what are you running for? Food oh God! Fuck them. Well, like, and I'm coming. I'm going into a parking lot, and I'm turning, in and things just like, King Kung Bang! <laughs> <laughs> like, so they're like looking at me like I'm. <laughs> and then uh, they look at the sign. They're like moving out of the way in traffic because it looks like I just killed an elementary group. Like I don't know. I, I, I am I'm straight out of fuck. That's not I your Jeep. Gone... That's just Springfield. 
True. True. Yeah, yeah everybody's ducking down, pulling out their guns. And then <laughs> things back. Actually, speaking of lockers doing weird things, the other uh, on Christmas Eve, I was driving to my grandmother's house because she just had her last chemo um, treatment. So we were kind of like, "Congrats!" I was like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, she's and everything's doing good. Thank God. But um, good. I was like, "Yeah, fuck it." You know, the jeep's arrogant and dumb. Like I'll just kind of stand on the top and be like, "Woo, good job, Grammy!" You know. So I'm driving there, and um, I went around this stupid little Civic and came flying up to the lake because I'm like, fuck, I got to make it through this lake. Actually, it's right by Wenick, uh, right where, like, uh, coming from Plumtree, though. So going totally oh, yeah, like, yeah. central on your left, and then there's uh, uh, Peppa's now and um, Hot Table's right there. Yep. And as I was coming up to it, I then the light turned red. So on the right-hand side, because there's a snowbank, it was all wet, but the left-hand side was dry. So I came up to it quick and had to slam on the brakes, and it locked up the tire that was wet. And it made the most god awful, horrendous, <laughs> just noise, but feeling. And I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure that would probably happen with any other application, but it was just, ew, oh, I'm cringing just thinking about it. You should have just swerved into the snowbank. I've hit that snowbank before. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So, I've at that intersection. Many snowbanks in my day. It, so. It might- Oh, hey, we had our traditional Cody disappeared for a second. <laughs> You're <laughs> back. We had it Welcome back. The, we had it happen in the uh, the pre-up when we were doing it. I figured I was done with it, but I, nope, computer nope. wanted to throw a little spice in there. Um, As always. But yeah, honestly, the, the 44 does great. I haven't had any problems. I'm genuinely happy with the gearing, but All right, I feel so, like... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry. One uh, quick tie-in, though for um locker discussions i meant to throw this in earlier but buck and your girlfriend should look into like a torsen lsd uh because of what they do with your locker have you tried going to an 85 140 are you talking about the drug lsd no a limited slip differential like one of the gear driven yukons or something no i I got you i was just busting your balls i was figuring maybe they could go on a little adventure taking some lsd and not caring about the rear diff or something oh i mean (laughs) isn't that how you have to wheel a set of tons i mean kish is about to learn but graham and myself just don't care no more so what did you ask me if i tried an 81 22 uh for the thick oil oil yeah. Some thick boy gear oil? No, I got my uh CarQuest fucking eighty ninety sauce, you know? Lame. Know. Throw try one forty. Try eighty five one forty. My Spartan loves it. Huh. Should quiet it down a little. Yep. I, it could be sure pins that's too. What I run in my diffs. Yeah, that's what we run in your diffs, Kish. I'm pretty sure I have water in my diff, so I think it just kind of thins it out a bit anyways. Oh good lord. So it's sure as like... bad as Graham trying to kill his fucking fifty. <laughs> Hey, Ugh. it's just an excuse to get the 14 and 60 rolling, okay? That I don't even own yet, but I got the 14 bolt. So at least I don't... there. <laughs> that's a good reminder. I don't know if I drained the 50. It might still have oh, shit in it. Oh, my fuck. It's well, fine. I found out when they're over full, they flow out anyways when you go down the highway. So it just it thins it out to itself. You know, it, it gets it to the point of where it wants it. You know, it's like <laughs> life. It just works out the way it needs to, okay? This is not how any of this works. Yes, it's fine. Jeeps do Jeep thing, and I have fun in Jeep. Perfect. <laughs> I, I, I will say this as like a little funny four-wheel drive story. Yesterday, I had parked my Jeep half on my snow-covered lawn and half in the dry-as-fuck road. But I was in four-wheel drive, 
And when I went and gave it a little gas, the Jeep turned kind of like a tank <laughs> in, into my yard. Interesting. I, I was trying to go in a straight line, so I was really fucking confused. That's pretty cool. So Graham mentioned that he blew up his own uh, gear set. Jeremy, have you <laughs> had that happen yet? Um, not yet. I've replaced a few blown up gear sets before, um, which is not not very fun. Uh, found mm. some spun bearings, found some just like destroyed pinions and whatnot. Um, but no, I, I, I haven't blown any of my stuff up yet. To you. That I was actually just gonna say, how, how much do you charge for gear installs, dude? I we're not putting that for, on the podcast. I was gonna say, I <laughs> for a goat leg and nice handy, he might give you a sweet deal. That's all I'm saying. I'm sorry, did you say a goat head? No, goat leg. We don't talk oh. about the goat head from today. <laughs> Be gone, devil. Be gone. <laughs> oh God, I'm definitely giving your gear set. Your setup job run for its money, and next season is going to be entertaining. Good, when, run it. When, when you were doing it, is there anything particular that you that you specifically do that's kind of like your tip and trick to get it done? That you're willing. How did you to learn? The world, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, so as far so the first set of gears that um, well, the gears in my silver Jeep that I run now. Um, I learned from the president of any Jeep, Tom, um, he's done tons of gears. And so I brought my gears to him. I brought my axles to him, but then I stayed there and I watched and I learned through the whole process. So he basically taught me how to do them and I just took it and ran. Um, so then the next, uh, I don't remember what the next axle I did after that. I think it was a Dana 30 and an eight and a quarter for a Cherokee. Um, and the first time around, I mean, the biggest thing is you got to make all your own setup bearings and whatnot. So yep. it definitely takes a lot longer to get started um, with doing gears. But once you get into it, um, it I don't know. It makes, it, yeah, it's once... not too bad. You know, typically you're going to start your first setup using the same not necessarily the same shim packs but you know the same um shim dimensions as what came out you're going to put back in you're going to check it you're going to say oh we're too deep or too shallow we're you know whatever um and you just start going from there yeah. making adjustments and uh so you get it right so i've definitely like the more I've seen and the more I've learned, it definitely seems like some people you can you can spend a lot of time getting the absolute perfect gear pattern. Um, and I've definitely chased my tail, you know, and had ten setups before I got it right. And then I've other I've had other times where I put it together and on the first freaking shot I was at six thousands backlash in a perfect pattern. Yep. And God, I Those went and bought myself Those a twelve pack that day. Um, <laughs> you got yourself a lottery ticket. I should have. So, but it, I don't know. You, you, you really just got to dive into it. Uh, as far as tools, you definitely need. You got to have a press. Um, and depending on the axle you're working on, uh, I have a tool that pulls the bearings back off in one piece without destroying them. Yeah, that's helpful. That's if you definitely don't have a set of helpful. Bearings, you need one. Right. If you don't have a set of bearings, you need one. Otherwise, you have to buy two sets of bearings to do your first axle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like if you're doing a 14 bolt or something, it doesn't matter as much because you throw the bearings on and the shims are adjusters, you know, or, uh, sorry, I'm distracted. The bigger axles are so much easier to gear. The yes. Stainer 30 oh, is my least favorite axle to gear. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. So, um, how many tries did it take you for my 60 and 10 five? Oh God. I don't remember to be honest. I. Not too many, uh, three, probably three, three or four. Any advice for accidentally using your 355 uh, pinion and your... (laughs) 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 So there's a story behind that one. It sounds like a story behind that one. Yeah, we're doing a gears. I'll let Cody tell it. (laughs) Me and and Graham were down at Luke's shop and we were doing my... I was there too. Oh, were you... Were you there for it's that? his axle. I, I was <laughs> still there for that too. Oh well, regardless, what happened was is me and him were specifically the ones kind of working on it. So we both had our hands in the pot trying to just I was helping him, but we were kind of just like everything was kind of placed in spots and we happened to just put the 410 gear set up, like the ring gear in there, and somehow we had mixed in the 355 pinion onto it, and he puts it on, he's like okay and like i'm guessing he was like trying to not freak me out because like, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't feel right and he, i kind of seen him like oh that's fucked up and we're going through it and all of a sudden he's like hold on a second fucking pulls everything apart pulls it all apart takes takes the two pinions he's like eh, let's try this one puts it in he's like oh yeah yeah that's the Wow, I got I got faith in this guy. Graham is fucking good like that. He won't say anything to freak anyone out, and that's why he's a decent spotter because he'll just be like, "Yeah, you're good. Just cut hard, hard, hard driver and pin it." Yeah, that thing did. It was it was not pretty with that three five five pinion in there. It did. No, I bet it it wasn't. No, it was very tight. And yeah, nothing I was I say, did was loosening it up enough. <laughs> it did. It did. It was turning. Not oh, well that's though. That's surprising. <laughs> it, it took a lot of force. I remember me and him were like, he was he was really concerned for a solid like ten seconds, and he was like, "Holy fuck, this thing needs some help!" Like, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> so funny story on it. The note of that, I got my axle back from Jeremy, and me and Richie are down at my shop, and we're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with it. So I'm like, all right, I got this bright idea. I'm going to grab the impact, and that'll help me spin the fucking uh, axle. Like, just, you know, give it a little rip and let it go. And I thought I saw it fucking move, but, like, all of a sudden the axle's not moving. I'm like, oh, my fucking God, did I just destroy the crush sleeve? What the fuck? shit. So... I've got this horrible, like, squeaking noise, and I'm like, oh, God, something is so fucking wrong here. Is so this after you got the axle? Just to clarify. This or, like, is after I got the, I got the okay. uh, gears done in my 10.5. Okay. So me and Richie are, like, trying to figure this out, or it might have been me and Preston, but I think it was me and Richie. Was it I you? vaguely remember this. Yeah, so we're, like, scrambling around. I've got the diff cover off. I'm laying under the Jeep. I'm like, oh, God, what the fuck did I do? I shouldn't have used that impact. Yada, yada. Fucking. It was a loose fucking lug knot allowing the brake drum to fucking get itself. Or the uh, brake disc to get cockeyed in the caliper and make a really fucking bad grinding noise. So I, uh, I realized that. that the um, 
120 foot-pounds would not have been enough of tightening force from the shitty electric impact I have to even touch the crush sleeve on a Sterling. But I felt like shit for a couple of days after that, trying to... I definitely remember that phone call because I was like, oh shit, did I screw up his gears? (laughs) Oh god, that was such a bad fucking time because like... I put this thing together in a month and a half. It pulled in on 35s. It was leaving on 40s and a 60 and 10.5 a month and a half later. And I thought I fucked it up by rushing too fast. Good time. That's also just how we go. Generally, when you fuck up the pinion bearing, you can feel it. Oh, yeah. No, that actually is totally fine. It's actually quieter than the fucking 60 in my tr- or than the 105 in my truck with the 430s from Ford. Nice. Fucking <laughs> So Greg, did we ever figure out why our crush sleeve was too long that day? Remember we had the like the crush sleeve was like was either too long or the one we had was too short. Remember we had like that weird problem? Mm. I don't know what. If think, it was too long, I could understand that because it's a crush sleeve. It was weird. I know that we I I f- now, I don't want to speak and, you know, have it be totally wrong, but I think I've seen two different styles of crush sleeve for Dana 30s. It depends on the who you get the the parts from. I've seen really long ones, and I've seen little ones. I'm not sure if there's a year difference on... No, that doesn't make sense. Well, there could be a different step depending on the pinion gear you have. Yeah, but... that might be it. I know there's a it's a lip that it rides on right there. And I don't know all the most, the one we have in there is fine. Cody. It's good. I'm not worried about it. We tighten that one down. Oh yeah. I was just saying, it was just, I remember we had like that weird problem. We're looking at it and I couldn't remember exactly if we figured out if like my rebuild kit had one, but also the gear set did. I couldn't remember exactly what ended up being a problem, but it worked and things still ripping. So fuck it. So yeah, I suppose you guys would be a smart group of people to ask this. Would it be dumb for me to rip out the uh, 60 that I have up front and go to an 05 plus with the OEM um, 10 inch ring gear conversion and the 1550s right off the bat when I do yes. the coilovers? Well, yes. have you broken Stop. any of those parts yet? No. I have broken Stop hot touching <laughs> Stop touching it. You have. Your Jeep works. It works well. It do dumb things. He just wants the bling. He wants his four-person Jeep to be covered in chrome. Your wheel set up first. Get some beadlocks. You know, fix the things that need the attention. Uh, it doesn't need beadlocks. I don't blow beads often. If I had beadlocks where it blew the bead the one time it did, I don't know if it would have made any difference. I might have just ripped the tire. No, I just mean more in the sense of like you. Your Jeep works great. I feel like that money could be well spent on an Atlas. You haven't even blown a 30 spline outer. You don't need an 05 plus yet. No, but I did yeet yeet multiple uh, mile marker hubs out of it. So did I, but I also somehow managed to destroy a hub or a a stub shaft. Keep keep a few extra hubs in your back. Yeah. Those okay. mile marker hubs are like the fusible link. They great. bust apart before you do real damage. Unless they break wrong. And then well, if you're okay. hitting it if you're hitting a hill really hard and you don't notice it break, 
and then you keep hitting it. Uh-huh. It turns out it shears the stub shaft pretty bad. Grant, you are it was still locked. Rest of the day, it was totally fine until I went to unlock the hub, and then then I, you know, it was a cascade of issues. Huh. <laughs> then bad. Yeah. Well, you're the exception, Graham. So I know you have a different take to fixing the uh, yield C clip versus full circle ring clip or whatever the fuck you want to call it debate. Uh, what did you do to your Dana 30 shafts to keep your um, U-joint from exploding? Because I know you've done something weird. Yeah, so I took a kind of a different route. Um, again, falls back to the point that I'm cheap. Um, so rather, so I know that most of the Dana 30 failures revolve around the U-joint. Um, whether the cap starts to back out and it, you know, takes something else out, stretches, whatever. Um, so to kind of fix the backing out cap and stretching ears issue in one go, I actually welded plates over the caps so that I reinforced the ears of the shaft and made it physically impossible for the caps to back out. Um, by doing that, I made these shafts one-time use. I can never replace the U-joints on them. However, I can get replacement shafts for about 30 bucks. Uh, and I can spend another hour welding, you know, caps, plates over the ears of my uh, axle shafts again. So I, would, I really like that idea because um, Iron Rock Off Road makes a kit that literally has plates that are the right shape and they're bent and they have a little hole in the middle. If you want to run greasable U joints, you can because uh, the grease fitting fits through. No so, graceable U joints on anything. Don't ever. do that. I'm not <laughs> saying you should. I'm just saying you literally could. Fake nose, everyone. Um, but yeah, I I did that. I'm currently running my Jeep locked in the front with 35s, and so far have yet to have an issue. Granted, I have an automatic, and I usually have a relatively light foot because I usually drove there, and I have to drive home. Um, but I've run a lot of blues and that. black trails with that setup, and so far, it's been very good to me. So you said it's Iron Rock Off Road that has those? Yep, they call it the Almost Alloy Kit. Yep, Almost <laughs> Alloy Kit. <laughs> so I run chromoly shafts in the back, uh, mostly because I bought them when there was a mistake on the website, and I think I paid like one hundred and sixty dollars shipped for a pair of chromoly shafts for the rear of the Jeep. Nice. Um, but in the front, I just I run my thirty dollar. <laughs> oh, it's a very good mistake. So, but yeah, in the front, I just I welded up the stock shafts and I keep a spare set in the trunk so that if anything goes wrong, um, just buzz them out, buzz a new set in. You know, keep that battery impact back there, so it's like a ten minute job. Um, but yeah, they've been very good to me. So, and they're a lot cheaper than, you know, $500 set of chromoly shafts. So yep. this might be me being dumb, but I might end up throwing my stimulus check at a set of them ox U-joints and a set of chromoly outers and inners for the 60, because, you know, but... But you haven't even blown your stock ones up. No, but I'm Come also on, give putting them a chance. stickies on it. Give them a chance. Let them die. No. But are you guys going to waste your Trump bucks on any dumb automotive purchases? Nope. Going straight to Bills. Excuse me. Mm, mine went into engine I, parts. I have no clue. I haven't gotten it. I haven't gotten I haven't it gotten yet either, either, but 
I might end I up it. just throwing a set of fucking those ox super joints in there so I know the hub's a weak link at the very minimum because I am slightly tempted by uh some AR parts. Mm. Hmm. I'll probably throw it towards the doubler tube for uh, my current planned project. Nowhere near starting it. We've talked about it before. I'm cutting my entire floor out doing a doubler. Uh, Jeremy, if you were. Yeah. I don't know if you do, but from previous no. podcasts, but that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. That should be a lot of fun. I have debated that many times. I have a Dana 300 sitting under my bench, and I always figured, you know, if I got the itch to just buy like a crawl box and throw it in front of that Dana 300. Um, so, yeah, but I, I got a 2.5 NWF. Just stop right here and say I wouldn't do that just because I know multiple people with 300s that have spent more money on a 300 than it would have cost to build an Atlas by the time you had a crawl box in. Yeah, but he's also got a 4,000 pound rig, not a 5,200 pound rig. Yeah, I mean, and I also know people that blow up Dana 30s every week, but here I am. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess Keep I it can't light. argue that. So that's, I mean, that's the reason my Jeep still has an automatic. I had a 2001 Cherokee sitting in my driveway um, that I paid $300 for, and it had a blown up four liter, but behind it was an NV3550 that with the full setup, it was a 2001. I had all the computers, like everything would have been a direct swap into I my remember, Jeep. I was Could have been five speed. That. I ended up selling it to my old roommate. So it's now in a 2001 Cherokee out in Michigan. That's awesome. Um, so Richie made but, me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I ended up taking his old uh, parts rig and helping him part it out and mm -hmm. getting the AX-15 out of that for uh, grabbing his new Jeep and helping him get that thing going. Plus some discount yeah. on Was parts. that the deal we had worked out, Luke? Yeah, I went and grabbed it for you, and then I helped you and cut you a discount on the uh, lift parts. So I currently right. just That's I right. just bought two sets of the almost alloys kits. Like currently, <laughs> <laughs> those are going on the Jeep. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, I have a set. Of weld them spicer. slowly. Do not burn up your U joints and change your U joints before you weld them in because it's your last chance. Yeah, that's so. That's, I, I have, have a set of spicers for you, Cody, on the way. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. There you go. I only have to buy one then for eighteen bucks. That's pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> Speaking of which, get me some uh spicer lifetime uh sixty joints. I want them for the spare shafts if I don't go with the oxes, or okay. if I want to get spendy with the AR. Okay, well, yeah, just let me know. Uh, give me a little bit of details because it is car quest, so I have to give them gear specifics and motor for no fucking yeah i'll give all you all the nerd stuff. shit or Thank if you. you want i can give you the direct part number either or either or will work, will work great so that is the downfall of running like so many different parts off of so many different vehicles on your jeep is when like because i run a lot of stuff and it's like if i want brake pads i can buy brake pads i just have to buy them for a 2000 jeep grand cherokee uh, <laughs> with a v8 like like you know you like you have to know the combination i can buy tie rod ends but i have to remember what year chevy one ton they yes. came off of speaking of um, which i can get those for 12 dollars a piece so let me know oh god i wish i knew that 
Like, I'm so sorry. I just like a full set. <laughs> a while ago. Same, yeah, like the, a full set cost sixty five bucks, which is literally the cost of one. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. That I'm telling you now. Luke's an <laughs> asshole for not telling you because. I, I just bought up. spares like uh, a couple weeks ago. Speaking of which, if you ever need stock replacement parts, I get shit for like five percent over cost. So good not, to know. That's not open for the podcast. So all you fucking greedy bitches, back <laughs> off! My, my homies, I got you. <laughs> uh. Like I said, I need a set of Spicer fourteen. <laughs> oh yeah, I got you. So actually, speaking of random parts, you said you had a Durango box, or no, you had a Dakota box. Dakota uh, box. I, I have a Durango box. Do you think it's worth just drilling and tapping that over getting it like a already? drilled and tapped uh stock cherokee box so um i can tell you that the dakota box well you said you already have a durango box um the box that i have i stumbled upon i was at a friend's house it was sitting in a drawer he was cleaning house he literally gave it to me it was already drilled and tapped however he has done a bunch of them and it Definitely is a job that you can do at home if you have the patience to do it. Is um, he um, Kevin Powell's friend? I think that might be maybe. the same guy because does he spray paint everything blue? Nope, nope, different oh, that's person. You, Luke, that's you. Nope, I know who you're talking about. Different <laughs> <Nope>. person. Um, <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, the, it's definitely a job that you can do at home. It, I haven't. Capped. I'm not even gonna say it. Um, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing one right now, actually, for a buddy. I've never actually drilled the holes into the box. It's incredibly mm-hmm. easy, and taking the box apart isn't isn't too hard either. If you have never done it before, it's really easy to look up how to do it. The mm-hmm. one thing that you, I fucked up several times on several boxes. I have a lot of carcasses. I'm gonna drill all of them after. You know, now that I know the mm-hmm. process to drilling them because it's super easy but the the internal like spiral worm gear gear worm gear thing with all the, yep. the little balls on it oh. if you mess up one ball if it falls out oh there's such the a right spot and you if you just turn the box by hand you can basically feel how it's going to feel in the jeep and if well, there's a ball not in the right spot you can tell before you put it in <laughs> now if you don't do that and you just slap your box back together, which I've done twice, and just slap it in the Jeep with Hydro Assist and turn it back and forth, see how it feels. You will immediately fuck up that box, and you'll never get a chance to rebuild it. you got to buy a new one. Good. Good. So huh. it, as long as you just take it out, put it back together, so it, it's, I, it's not hard. The, my buddy that has done a bunch of them doesn't take them apart. Mm. Now, how do you... Lots of grease. Metal shavings. Lots of grease on your tooling, and go That's, slow. There's yes. a lot of shavings. Actually, attest to this. When all the are... shavings stick to the grease. I've done that when I was in college and we were racing. Um, we built a one-seater off-road buggy in college and raced it. Uh, and we were in some sticky situations where we would have to like drill into a gearbox. Lots of grease. All the shavings will stick to the grease. You still have to be careful, but. Yeah, you can, I can confirm that. Almost guarantee you get all the shavings back out. They don't fall in. They the grease is sticky. So, Interesting. As a eyelet tool and die maker with a Connecticut state license, uh, I can confirm that is a 
thing that we do with cast iron often because with cast iron it likes to flake off in a really fucked up manner that will dole out tooling incredibly quickly so you load that fucking drill bit full of grease and it goes yep so the other thing with doing one without taking the box apart is you actually need two taps you need a normal tap that you can use to start i think it's like what eighth ntp or something Quarter you need a normal up. one so that you can start the tap you need a second one that you grind half the tap off so that you can actually get it to the depth that you yep. need it because otherwise it's going to hit the internals of the box so, so in nerd terms, that would be a um, standard tap and then a bottom, bottom tap. tap. I know right. that one. So, that sounds but yeah, like... we usually just take it over to the grinder and grind like half of it off. Oh, God. Please tell me it was a cheap tap. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. It's for a Cherokee, dude. I do. <laughs> See, I guess my argument for taking boxes apart is... Generally, if I'm working, not that I've done many, but the few boxes that I have done, it's always been for seals. I've, re- I've resealed right. several boxes at this point. And no, if and if you need to reseal them, hydro assist, I'm going to take time. it apart. Right. So, so on that note, Graham, I've got a steering box for you. It needs hey, Graham, the, uh, I have a steering box. Done. <laughs> hey, what? I, I have. I'm, <laughs> I've got like four shells and I have another donor box because the sector shaft is fucked. So I'll have one like probably ready to go a month or so. I've got a ton of shit on the plate, but I can tap some other ones. I've got to do this box currently. It's like halfway done. I need to get a tap that I can cut up because oh, I need to shorten it. But then I've got to do a waggy box. It should be similar and a couple other things, but then I can do one of your boxes. Mine just needs a bearing and a seal. Which bearing? Uh, the sector bearing. Uh, that one sucks. It's not too bad, but it's like... Y'all yeah. just swap boxes a lot, don't you? Uh, hey. yeah, that's part of the reason I was considering full hydro until we talked with Curtis about his line falling off. Hell no, and just, re- and just remember, <laughs> when you know the ins and outs of your box, you're the fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> so do any of you guys run a sector shaft brace on your yes. jeeps nope i'm cheap i i guess i'm the only one i will well be. i run one but okay I yeah any of i assume that because so, you asked the question yeah well, well because he brought up the bearing being bad one at a time yeah i did not hear either of you so somebody go again please <laughs> um well when i go tons i was planning on getting the uh the steering box brace for sure. Yeah. yeah, before my rig leaves the shop, it's getting a steering box brace. Um, I torched the sector shaft this year, at, or I don't know if I torched the whole shaft, but I know that the bearing's bad, so I just don't want to deal. Fair. Preventive yeah, maintenance I, helps. I ended up building one into my winch mount because I so I run a another weird thing it, with my Cherokee. I run a stock front bumper. Um, but I actually have a winch behind the stock front bumper under the radiator. Um, so I built like a cradle to hold the winch back there. And when I built that, I also built, um, a sector shaft brace into that winch cradle setup. So, cause for the first, I don't know, two and a half years or so of driving that jeep i never had a steering stabilizer or anything on the front end so i just wanted to make sure that all of every pothole i hit 
wasn't going to just go straight into destroying my steering box. That's fair. And it kind of seems like you have like really good uh, ways around different things. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your track bar setup that you got? Um, so this spring, um, with the whole COVID thing going on, wasn't really going anywhere. So I had some extra time. Um, so I decided to tear the front end of my Jeep apart because I wasn't super happy with it. Um, I run the WJ knuckles. So I have a high steer, one ton steering setup. Uh, but my track bar was always, I don't know, eight inches shorter than my drag link. Um, so although I didn't have a ton of bump steer, I had some and I, I wanted to get rid of it. I also was at the point where I wanted to have some sort of steering assist off road. I wanted to run hydro assist and I didn't have base for it. Hmm. So what I ended up doing is I ripped the front axle out of the Jeep. Um, oh, and I also wasn't happy with my front coil spring mounts, um, because they weren't stock. So I ripped the front axle out of the Jeep. I, my coil spring mounts are centered on the front axle. So I slid them forward about two inches or sorry. I slid them back two inches because the front axle stretched forward two inches. Um, I lowered them. I changed out my shock mounts and for the track bar in order to make it the correct length, I actually plated my C's on the axle and I built my track bar bracket on the C of the axle and I put a bend in the track bar. So it bends around the coil spring and attaches to the C of the axle. And what that allowed me to do was now my track bar is the same length as my drag link. So it got rid of all my bump steer. It also got the track bar nice up out of the way and allowed me to run a ram for hydro assist in the location where the stock track bar would have been. That's a, I mean, honestly, that's a really good idea. I'm actually kind of happy that that worked out so well. And after seeing the photos of your track bar angle, it's like fucking perfect. Honestly, it, it's, I think, like an inch shorter than my drag link at this point. So it's about as good as it can possibly get. Um, my tie rod is above the center line of the axle, and my hydro assist ram is perfectly level with the tie rod. So everything on the front axle is above the center line of the axle tube. Uh, nice, tight, up, out of the way. And, uh, and the geometry is honestly as good as it could be on a Dana 30. Yeah, yeah. Really your setup clean. is definitely. I would rate it a solid nine five out of ten, and I'm like stupidly anal. The way we're, that it could be better is it could not be a Dana thirty. It could not be a Dana thirty. <laughs> so, but, at but the it same time, it drives well. It stops well because of the bigger brakes and everything. Um, it steers well now with the hydro assist. So. So I have to ask, when you saw my rig in person, because I know that it didn't go over there like you didn't see it at all from when I bought it to when it became what it was. What was your take driving it? I loved driving it. So I had an expectation, right? It's a like beat Cherokee on 40s. I mean, how do you expect it to drive, right? It's going to drive like a can of shit. Um, <laughs> but I got in it and I was actually super impressed, um, with how it drove. I felt, I, I loved driving with the five speed for one. I've missed my YJ is five speed. 
my daily driver, I have a diesel Jetta uh, that's a six-speed, but I missed driving a Jeep with a five-speed. You want to know um, I had a feeling you drove a Jetta, and I don't know why, but like I, I, I felt I don't know. Bones. Maybe it's a Dana 30 thing. I kind of had like a little telepathy, but it was a weird <laughs> thing in my head. Like, I felt like you drove a Jetta. Well, I do drive a Jetta. So, um, but no, the, your Jeep, honestly, I thought it drove really well. Um, I felt like it could like reliably go down the road. You could let go of the steering wheel. The thing wasn't trying to like run you into the shrubs on the side of the road. Um, it was loud. Um, <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> definitely a lot of like noises that were coming through. Um, when I drove it, there were lacking a little bit of sheet metal in the trunk area. I'm assuming it's still lacking that sheet metal. Yeah, um, yeah. I could be wrong. Right. Okay. I figured I was not wrong. Um, <laughs> so I definitely had, you know, some things that if it was mine, I would change. But as far as a rig on forties, I was super impressed with its road manners. Yeah, it's totally a beater rig, but that's all getting uh, fixed. So. One of the things you brought up was the C on the knuckle, or the uh, track bar on the knuckle. Look, you're picking up the wrong mic, bud. Oh, sorry about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> much better. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, totally derailed my train of thought there. But with uh, you mounting your C to the knuckle, we had uh, another question. Track bar to the C. Yeah, that's it. Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um. That mic thing totally <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> so mounting your track bar to the C, we had a question from uh, Mark about the... He's using a rough stuff, I think, track bar bracket, and it's mounted all the way up against the coilover. Is there really any way that we can get around that, or do you think that it's going to... Like, it's welded in at an angle... And the angle doesn't look pretty, but it's incredibly functional because it allows for getting a little bit of clearance to the coil bucket while still pushing the mount up against the coil bucket. Throw a plate in there, the thing's nicely braced. But he was trying to figure out any ways to go longer with it, and I can't think of anything without getting into the shocks. Yeah, that's... Cut the front of the coil bucket off. That's definitely tricky um that was on a dana 60 right yeah i think he's running an 05 super 60 so i don't think there's a ton of space in the area of the c and the coil there in the front um also depending on how far forward your coil is and your coil mount part of the reason i was able to get away with making my setup work is because i slid the coil buckets back so far so i actually created a lot of space in front of the coil spring um, now if he's going to run a hydraulic Ram on the, you know, for steering, it might not be super noticeable that his track bar and his drag link are different in length. There's definitely a lot of people that run that setup because it's super easy and it works all the time. It's just a matter of how well it works and how, you know, you won't have perfect on-road driving characteristics because there's a difference in length. You're going to have some bump steer. As far as how much bump steer and how picky you are with that bump steer, um, I ran a setup exactly like what you're describing for two and a half years. And to be honest, it drove really well 
on the street. The only reason I changed the whole thing up is because my Himes were shot on the track bar. Um, I wanted to go hydro assist. I needed more space. And yeah, that's I was ripping thing. the whole thing out. It was like, well, if I'm ripping all of this out and I'm doing these things, I'm going to just try and also, you know, finish the job basically. Um, but it drove really damn well for two and a half years with that setup. If somebody were to ask me if my Jeep had bump steer, my answer would have been basically no. Um, yeah, that's not one thing noticeably. I say. Like with my current setup, I've got the, uh, I've got that shitty fucking inverted Y, I think they call it, steering. But at yep. the same time, even with that, my rig, other than when it's low speed handling, it takes a little bit more steering input than, say, Graham's nicely built high steer setup does from my limited time driving his rig. But it's very, very basic, and I don't deal with any bump steer, even though I have a shorter track bar, even with my frame mount kicked off a little bit to the, uh, or to try and extend it a little. Well, but is boring. What kind of Jeep is this on? Not that it really matters, but it's on a Cherokee. Okay. Well, I mean, do we know details on the the frame side mount? Because I don't know anything I mean, about the frame side mount. I think he was going to build one, but I'm if not you're, positive. Just do an outboard one. You gain like you know two and a half, three inches. That's true. If you, if you put it on the out outside of the frame, that's how mine's set up. Otherwise, my track bar would be tiny. And, yeah. uh, I have the uh, Barnes outboard mount on mine, so it definitely added about two to three inches of track bar length compared to, maybe even more than that, compared to where it would have been mounted originally. And even even having, you know, maybe three, I'd have to measure, I don't remember, three, four inches worth of difference in length, as long as they're fairly parallel and you brace that outboard track bar mount because it will flex that whole frame rail like it's yeah, it's barely noticeable mine up. if you're I really picky you, you'd probably notice but it's it's very manageable uh slight bump steer it's it's what you're going to get with a, a jeep with you know the constraints that you're under with this axle in my opinion, my Jeep drives better than it did with the Dana 30. Oh, yeah, I Sam, without a doubt. Well, yeah, I, that's I definitely... Like the way your Jeep drives now a lot better. Definitely the outboard frame side mount is a good idea if you're going with something like a 60 where you have more width. Um, I know yeah. for me with a Dana 30, my mount, I mounted it as far out as I could, but it had to come straight down because... Uh, my Jeep's clearance. so narrow. Yeah, I'm narrower now on 35s than I used to be on 33s. So yeah, wow. currently, JK rims, correct? Yeah, I run JK wheels with two inch spacer adapters. Um, but in the back, when it's flexed out, again, I run those like they're 14 inch shocks, so it articulates pretty well, and the tire comes right up, and it there's no paint on my inner fenders in the back on both sides. Because it tucks the tire completely into the fender. So, and I cut, um, I didn't do like a cut and fold in the rear. I actually cut both sides, inner and outer fenders completely off and welded them back together to try and get it, the fender up higher. 
Um, and it, it still comes all the way up inside of there. It's shoot all the paint off from the inside. I'm definitely so. jealous about that. My tire definitely chews, or my, my fender chews my tire out pretty bad. I got some decent gashes that. Don't be super jealous. It was a miserable job. (laughs) (laughs) I used um, 2006 Wrangler wheels. So they have a pretty low offset. Or actually, I think it's actually positive offset. So the tire, the whole wheel sucks inwards. And I had problems with my front tires. Yeah, my front tires rubbing on my my tie rod ends, hitting the brakes. I had the rear of the tire was completely chewing. Like, it was practically swallowing my leaf spring. Um, so I, I could see where that could be a problem having them so far in. Yeah. Yeah. I deal with that with my Dana 60 with the 17s. I have to, or I had to shave the, uh, knuckle down quite a bit, but I mean, it wasn't that bad of a job. Me and Kish banged it out in like what, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Probably about that. All right. Well, we're coming up on two hours. You guys want to wrap it up here? Yeah, sounds good. To yeah, sure. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate all of you. Remember to like, share, Keep... and... Well, whoa, hey now, mister. You oh, guys fuck off. This is my outro. Wow. All right, all right. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Seriously, we appreciate every single person who tells us how we're doing, whether it's bad or good. We love the constructive criticism. We love the questions. So feel free to say whatever you guys want. Um, please rate on uh, any whatever app you're using or whatever software you're using we appreciate that very much and go ahead graham <laughs> uh keep your track bar ugh, keep your track bars tight we'll see you next time